The Mix Room with Genelec. Today we're welcoming Miami-born producer, mixer, songwriter and vocal producer and arranger Keith Ross onto the podcast who has worked with artists including Fifth Harmony, The Roots, Ricky Martin, Boys to Men, Timberland, Enrique Iglesias, Nelly, J-Lo and many, many more. So welcome along, Keith. Thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? Thank you. I am good. How are you? I'm really, really good. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Um, I'm guessing you, you're pretty busy, you've got a busy schedule usually. Little bit, but I'm happy to be here. Oh, good. That's very kind of you. So, um, uh, I can see. I know our listeners won't be able to see you, but you're in a very cool-looking, sort of purpley. Is it? Is it your home studio you're in, or you're in a commercial yes. studio? Yes, this is. Uh, this is my home setup. It's so, but this is pretty much where I work out of. I've got everything in here that I need, and and uh, it's home. So it's convenient. Oh yeah, of course. How long have you had that? Um, I built this about two and a half years ago and, uh, probably the best decision I ever made. Really? So was it just before the pandemic then? It was actually just as the pandemic was starting. Um, so I bought this house and, and my daughter was born not very long after and and uh, and I just wanted to do you know my my dream setup in in wherever I wherever I moved to and uh, and this luckily became it. Wow! So you took on quite a lot at the same time by the sounds of it. Baby, new house, studio. <laughs> yeah, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Have things calmed down a bit now in all respects? <laughs> Is anything ever really that calm? Mm, um, maybe not. <laughs> no, when it's not one thing, it's another. But but uh, I, I love being a dad. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. So I, I mean, as as much work as it is, it's it's always welcome and and it's the most rewarding thing that I've ever been a part of. Oh, good. And then um, whereabouts are you based, Keith? I am in Fort Lauderdale. I'm on the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood line in in Florida. Like my address is Fort Lauderdale, but if you go across the street one street south than uh, you're in Hollywood. Oh, nice. Is that where you're from? Uh, I'm from Miami. I'm, I'm born and raised uh, in Miami, like Skylake, Aventura, Hallandale, like that, like triangulation. Nice, nice place to be. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I can see it's- why. <laughs> um, so what are you working on at the moment, if you're allowed to say what's keeping you busy other than, you know, um, your wonderful daughter at the moment, your house and everything. What are you working on? Well, um, I just finished mixing the single for a good friend of mine. Uh, he goes by Drop Dead Beats. Um, he has a single out uh, that's coming out with uh, with Will Peters and Fat Joe uh, called Teach. Um, that's a really, really great record. Um, doing a bunch of stuff with Missy Elliott at the moment. Oh, nice. Um and uh, also, uh, there's a girl who's a Latin artist named Ceci, who's signed to Universal. And uh, so I'm doing her entire album as well. And um, it's always hard to remember everything when you're actually trying to remember it. But <laughs> that's pretty much the gist of it. Come on now, Keith. So, Don't skim over Missy Elliott. What's going on there? Give me the gossip. <laughs> um, Missy, I, I've known Missy for, for quite a few years now. Um, love her to death. She's, I mean, it's, it's, it's really not just a, uh, a business thing or a music thing with Missy, but, um, but we have a great relationship. And, uh, and so, you know, thankfully she likes what I do. And so 
you know, I work on various records um, that, that that she does, whether it's for her project or whether it was, uh, uh, I mixed one for her and uh, Leandria Johnson, who's uh, one of the, the big names in gospel music. Um, I just did a couple for her on, on Monica's new album. Um, and uh, we have a couple coming up. I'll probably get murdered if I say what it's for. Okay. So. I don't want to get you in trouble with Missy Elliott or Monica, so don't say anymore. Nah, she, she, she's the sweetest person, though. I, I, I love her. She does seem that, though, and I love, I follow her on Instagram. I love when she posts all her videos of, can you believe this came out 20 years ago? And I'm like, well, no, not really, because that makes me feel old. But also, <laughs> they're just timeless, aren't they? Yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. And and what's great is that she really has no ego. Um, she's, she's just this sweet person who just, you know, she's, she's very real. And so I love that. And how involved does Missy get in the studio? Does she work collaboratively with you if you're doing, I don't know if you're doing production with her mixing or, you know, songwriting or something, but how involved is she? Cause I always got the impression she was fairly hands-on with that. Missy is about as hands-on as it gets. Um, I like, she doesn't even generally let people record her. She records herself. Um, Actually, funny story. So back in the in my Timberland days, when when I was when I was with him, um, we were out in uh, in L.A. Uh, while while he was doing the uh, the 2020 experience with with Justin, mm-hmm. and so we had uh, three rooms booked out at Larrabee, and which is where we did all the recording for that, and 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 a lot of the mixing as well, and um, and so there was this one day. And, and I was, I found out like, as it, as it happened that, you know, who I was working with on any given day. So on one day it was, it was uh, Jazzy on another day, it was Twista on another day. It was Justin on another day. It was uh, Tim, you know, so, so I, so I was told uh, one day that that Missy was going to come in and, and I was going to be working with her. I'd never, I'd never worked with her before. I, I had seen her at, at, at Hit Factory a few times, and that was pretty much it. And I knew tons of people that knew her, but I personally had never met her. So I go, I go outside, uh, like just to take a break for a few minutes. I walk back in. I go, I go to open the door to the studio, and it's locked. And I was like, wait. My stuff's in there. Why is door locked? Uh, and Missy's coming. So, so I went. I went to the front desk, and I'm like, "Um, can somebody let me back in the A, please? I just need to, you know, get in there from from Missy." And and they were like, "Oh, she's in there." And I was like, "Oh, well, uh, I'm not." What's going on? <laughs> and so, and they were like, "Oh, don't go in there. She records herself." And uh, so I didn't, I let her do her thing and I just left all my stuff in there and I never even saw her that day. And um, it was funny, uh, fast forward, you know, years and years and years later, um, I, uh, one of my, one of my best friends is a, is a guy named Corte Ellis and he, um, he's Missy's cousin and they work together a lot. And Corte has done a lot. Uh, in his own right. I mean, he's, you know, won Grammys and, and done massive records as a songwriter. Um, and, and so, um, so Corte calls me actually the night before, I believe this was the night before Missy did the Super Bowl, And, and he's like, he's like, bro, Missy needs help. I need you to drive to her house right now. She, she had a place out in like, like in uh, West Delray. And, um, and he's like, I need you to drive out to her house right now. He's like, like, 
yo, we got to get her set up right. She's got to do her overdubs. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. Well, <laughs> so I, 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 I mean, I, I think I sprinted out the door. He told me how important it was to, to get there as quickly as possible. And so while I'm on the way, um, you know, I'm, I'm like finding out kind of more about her setup. And I remember uh, calling a, a good friend of mine. He's, he's, he's like family to me. Um, this, this guy, Scott Katz, who uh, he owns uh, Skit Scat Music, which is like where I get all my gear from. And so I said, Scott, I need I need a favor. I need you to like grab XYZ gear and like run it up to Missy's house like right now. Like, don't wait. Just go get it. <laughs> and he was like, I'm on it. And then he 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 drove up and and got her squared away. And and uh, and that was kind of how my relationship with Missy started. And and ever since then, like, like she and I have been been really tight. Um, and she's a, she's a wonderful person. And, I, and I'm and I'm very grateful to uh, to, you know, have the privilege of knowing her. Mm, she does always come across super humble and just grateful. Um, you might imagine after a certain amount of time, some stars might get a bit jaded or she's still just as excited, you can tell, um, to be doing what she's doing. So that's really nice to hear that that's actually true. true. <laughs> yeah. So does she still record on her own then? If so, how have you just figured out a way of working around that? How When do you come into the process? Um, generally with Missy, it's always been just for mixing. That's uh, that's That's been... That that's been that's mm. been like ninety nine point nine percent of uh, of of my role in in things. Um, you know, production wise, we haven't worked together yet. Um, I haven't sent anything yet, but but uh, you know, I I, uh, I always try to I always try to be respectful of of the job I'm there to do. So anytime I I work with somebody, if they don't know that I do X Y Z else. Um, I'm generally not the guy that's going to go and and pitch them on that. You know, sometimes they find out on their own and then, you know, it's different, but, but I'm always, I I always try to be respectful of the, of the role that I'm playing. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if we take it back a bit, well, quite a bit, if we look back to before you even started your career. So when you were a child, a teenager, were you always super obsessed with music? Were you always, thinking I'm going to do something in music one day, or was it a complete surprise? Sometimes it comes to people later in life. So how was it for you? Well, for me, I fell in love with music at a super early age because um, my parents were always like super into it. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my, my dad was like Mr. James Brown, Michael Jackson, uh, like all, that, that whole that that whole but i mean really everything though i i mean I, I remember a lot of beach boys when i was a kid i remember um uh a lot of beatles a lot of uh a lot of everything um so he had, he had really eclectic taste and then my mom she was a singer um she was a, a cantorial soloist um actually at at multiple synagogues oh, so wow. um so so i i always had music around and um, so, but but for me, originally, my passion was always for for art, like visually, and um, that kind of turned into really loving the design aspect. And so, um, I kind of came to a crossroads when I was like 17, 18 years old. Um, I was I walked away from what was a promising career in uh, architecture and interior design to pursue music. And so um, 
I was going to end up at, at Cooper Union in New York, which is like like one of the most prestigious uh, architecture schools in the world. And uh, and they only accept like 50 students a year. And I kind of walked away from that to do music. Oh, and uh, my mom was super supportive. My dad wanted to murder me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my mom, you know, she she ended up being, you know, like one of my like one of one of the honestly one of the linchpins to to being able to to do what it was that I wanted to do um if nothing else you know just because of the fact that before I went to college for music business uh she let me take 8 months off and when in life would would I ever get another chance to take 8 months right. and just kind of recollect myself um and I spent that entire 8 months making music um and uh it's funny when I started making music, I was, I was really young. I was like 13. Um, but I, but like when I really started to, to physically make recordings, um, you know, that was probably around the time I was like 15 years old and, um, believe it or not, I started as a rapper and I wanted to be a rapper. And so yeah, I got into the production and to the mixing side of things, uh, because I couldn't afford to pay anyone to do it for me. And so um, I met this guy when I was 15. His name is Michael Tucker. Uh, he did like a lot of the NSYNC stuff, like the uh, like on the No Strings Attached album. And he was like very plugged in. Mm -hmm. And um, and I remember he brought me up to Orlando. Uh, and this was like my first recording session. I didn't know anything. <laughs> I mean, it, it, like it, everything was foreign to me. I just I just knew that I wanted to make music. And so. Um, so he brought me up to Orlando to Lake St. Mary. They had a, a house that they turned one of the rooms into a studio or the garage. Um, and I had a session with him and a guy named Mark Sheehan and another guy named Danny O'Donohue. Um, at the time, actually, it's funny, Danny O'Donohue was, you know, I don't want to say struggling musician, uh, but, you know, he was he was working to, you know, get his break. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, years later, he ended up being one of the members of the script, um, which which is kind of cool to look back on that because they have, they were huge. Um, and uh, but, yeah, so after that, I ended up um, I ended up working out of a place called Composer Inc. with a guy named Mark Ramellis. Um, and he just really believed in me and just kind of gave me free studio time. And and uh, and um, I, I mean, I he and I are still friends to this day. And, um, but when I fell in love with the production side of things and, and the, the mixing side of things, um, I kind of didn't really feel like anything was missing. I didn't really care about the spotlight so much. I cared more about the music and making it and people loving that. And so that was pretty much what I pursued after that point. And, um, you know, fast forward to, uh, to the college days, and I'm jumping around on the timeline, but, um, but fast forward to the college days, um, I didn't really care about the degree. I cared about the education. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it got to a point where if I'm being honest, I just, I, I, there were two things that at play. One was that, um, I really didn't want to take all the prerequisites, like the remedial math, this and that. And, you know, I wasn't good at math back then. I'm mm. way better at it now, but, but, but I didn't feel like taking any courses, any classes that didn't benefit what I was trying to do. And I got thrown out of my math class because I questioned the teacher on how to apply that stuff. Um, and, 
And I, I just asked him, like, how would this be applied in the real world? And uh, when his answer for that question was, uh, you know, so you can calculate how high to aim the hose to get the flowers in the back. I was like, well, wouldn't you just move the hose till it goes there? And he got mad and he kicked me out of the class. And um, so I got to a point where I was like, if this is what I have to do and take these classes in order to continue taking the other classes, it just wasn't worth it for me. Um, and so at the same time, the other factor was I, I, I started placing records um, as a producer. And so I kind of was already in the scenario that I was, that I was working towards. And, um, and one thing in the business that you realize is that they can teach you the theory behind it in college, but it's never like that in the actual business. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I just kind of ventured off at that point and, and worked my way up from, from, from the ground up. And, uh, I mean, I started as at the bottom as you possibly could, um, of the totem pole. I mean, I, I just wanted to work with anybody. I didn't care who they were. Um, and so, you know, fast forward to now, I'm, I'm very lucky to, uh, to have worked with quite a few incredible iconic artists. Absolutely. And can you remember who was the first artist or, um, that you actually worked with when you'd gone actually professional with it? Worked with or like in the studio? In the studio with, with, yeah. In the studio. <clears throat> the first really big artist. Um, I would say probably, probably Nelly was, okay. was the first like really big artist that I, that I worked with like in person where we actually like wrote the song together and, and all of that. And um, I would say that that was probably the most fun session I've ever had. Um, that session it was also the longest session I've ever had. Uh, it started at like 1030 uh, at night and we went until like 1.30 in the afternoon the next day. Oh. And, and it was, it was great. Um, I love Nelly. I think, I, I think he's one of the coolest people. I think he's amazingly talented. And um, we, we just had a great time. I mean, this was back in like the Ustream days too. I don't know if you remember Ustream or not. Um, Ustream? I actually don't. What is that? So that was, so before you had like Instagram live or anything of that nature, mm -hmm. there was a, there was a site called Ustream and people would post these Ustream links on Twitter and, and, um, you know, cause you didn't have video on MySpace back then. So, um, so they would post the Ustream links and people would go and watch there. And that was like a separate site to watch live and they, they could comment and so on and so forth. And so, um, I remember we, we were working at the hit factory. We were in the A room and, uh, Nelly had turned the, the live room, uh, into a, a, an indoor basketball court. And so I remember at 4am, as you do. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh yeah. It was, it was, it was really cool. And, um, I remember at 4 a.m. we were we were playing basketball in his Ustream with like a thousand people watching us. And um and it was just it, it was really cool. It was it was just a, a great experience and people like all kinds of cool people walked in and out and it was just like it was a great vibe. And um, you know, I, I just that that session, I'll never forget that ever. Um and it was it, it was just great. 
I have heard that about him. I've interviewed someone else a couple of years ago that's also, that's reminded me, they were in the studio with him for a really long time as well. And they said he had a great sense of humour and they even convinced him to put Must Be The Money in their song they were working on with him together. But he was really up for it, apparently. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, he's 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 very cool. Like, he's another one who, uh, you know, his his ego is never really an issue. He's He's just a very humble cool guy he's he doesn't um he makes everyone in the room feel good being there mm. as opposed to make them feel like you know they're lucky to be in his presence he's just very welcoming and how do you see your role as the producer and mixer i know you wear quite a few hats you're also a songwriter aren't you and an arranger but in terms of yeah. making people feel comfortable in the studio because i know that is such a key part of it isn't it and helping people get along and find out how they work and how you're going to work together so how have you adapted to that and found out what's the way to you know find the right approach to work with different artists well I mean for one I feel like I'm a pretty non-intrusive guy um like I don't go in the room and immediately like bark orders or anything like that um it's more just you know I like to I like to kind of feel out the other person who's in the room and other people if they're there um, and, and really just kind of let them be them and, and kind of take that and, and shape that rather than, rather than kind of superimpose my view of them uh, onto something. And um, you know, it's uh it's just kind of like a, a thing where like, I'm, I'm way more, I've actually never discussed this with anybody, but I'm way more quiet and reserved at the beginning of the session. By the end of the session, I'm standing up. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm like, do that, you know, but, um, but, but at the beginning, I'm, I'm much more quiet and reserved because I like to feel people out. I like to make them comfortable. And so whatever it is that, you know, that makes them comfortable and whatever workflow and whatever energy makes them comfortable is generally, uh, what I try to give them. Mm. I think that probably sounds like the better approach anyway. If you were really full on straight away, they might feel yeah. a clash or something. So you're both kind of easing into it together, aren't you? And getting to know each other and how you can push it or interact. So I, I think that sounds like the best way to do it, to be honest. Yeah, it's pretty, it, it's pretty effective. I, I've, I've never, I've never had a bad session with someone. <laughs> so <laughs> that's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> so what about Timberland? You mentioned him briefly earlier. So how did you come to work with him? What was it like working with him? Because obviously he's one of these, I guess you call them super <laughs> producers, like absolutely dominated the noughties. I know he's still working now, of course, but um, how was it like working with him? So the Timberland situation that came, uh, after so so i spent a couple of years with cash money um and uh i i, I had a, a situation with uh with slim who's one of the owners uh where we were doing a lot together at the time and um i love the guy i mean i think he's i i think he's just he's a special person um but there was a certain point where tim uh was showing me a lot of love and took a lot of interest in me and uh um, you know, and it, it kind of made sense to do stuff with Tim. And, um, and so it just kind of like gradually happened. Um, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I was, uh, I wasn't like screw cash money. It just kind of like, you know, certain thing, it's like a push pull, certain things slow down somewhere and they speed up somewhere else. And, um, 
And so, um, yeah, and Tim, he was just showing me a lot of love and I was just, I was able to fill a lot of roles and, and wear a lot of hats and, and simplify for him because he didn't have to call five people to do five jobs. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and Tim, I mean, you know, I grew up idolizing this guy. I mean, he's, yeah, you know, he's one of the greatest producers of our generation. And so, um, so spending a lot of time with him, it was amazing. I, I learned a lot. I learned, I learned a lot about things to do and I learned about uh, things not to do. Um, you know, and, uh, and I saw what he reacted to in different ways. And, um, it was a lesson in, in not just, not just, uh, music, but in, in learning people. Um, and I think that that gave me a lot of insight to, into, into reading people and, and, you know, kind of feeling out different vibes from them. And, um, and it was, it, it was, it was a really great experience. Um, I got to work with, I mean, people I, I had dreamed about, I mean, you know, every, every, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday could have been, uh, you know, another bucket list artist that, that like, you know, you dream about working with, um, and, and there, there are rooms that I don't know that I would have had the opportunity to be in. Um, I mean, I, I got to be in, I got to be in work situations with, you know, Beyonce and Jay-Z and the dream and, and, uh, um, you know, T-Pain and, and I mean, so many people, like, I mean, it's like a ridiculously long list and, um, and it was, <clears throat> it was really amazing. And, um, it, it just, uh, I got to see things from a different perspective that most people don't get to see. I know, even just hearing you talk about them. Now I have to ask you about Jay-Z and Beyonce and Beyonce's relevant. She's up to something. She's about to drop her new album, which I'm very excited about. But um, what did you, um, what did you um, work on? Or maybe that's a bit of a strong term. What, what was your involvement with them? Um, I, well, I went in a Timbaland capacity right. there. Um, sure. So I wasn't, it, it, I mean... Uh, Stuart White did, you know, all the stuff in the Beyonce capacity, but, um, but it was really cool. We, um, we were, we were working out of uh, Jungle City in New York and um, the dream was in there. Uh, I guess working on these records with, with, with Beyonce and, and Tim was, was you know, doing his production thing. And, um, you know, there's certain moments that, that stick out to you mm-hmm. Um and uh, there were a couple. There were a couple for me. One, one was embarrassing, and one was amazing. Uh, the embarrassing one, and this, and this just speaks on to to what a a professional Beyonce is, and 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 how uh, kind she is. Um, I uh, I remember I accidentally clicked record on the wrong track when <laughs> when uh, when when she was about to record, and that created a feedback loop. It was like this super loud eh, in the headphones and <laughs> Tim was looking at me like, Keith, you're going to die. <laughs> and and uh, he didn't say that, but, um, you saw the look. but and, 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 and I thought she's going to murder me. I'm like, I, I'm like, she's going to, she's going to come out of that booth and tell me to get out. And uh, she was so sweet about it. And, and, um, but that was, that was definitely a near death experience for me. <laughs> and, um, but I remember, I remember, I didn't know that that Jay was going to come to the studio, and I was by far the least important person in this room. 
Um, I mean, at the time, it was it was Tim, uh, my boy J Rock, who did uh, like a ton of stuff with Tim, like all the JT stuff, um, the Magna Carta Holy Grail stuff mm-hmm. that Tim did. Uh, all like J- he was involved in all of that. So it was Tim, J Rock, the Dream, Ti, Tiny. I think Alicia Keys was in there at the time and little old unimportant me comparatively. And, um, and I remember it was just one of the coolest things because you don't expect that from someone, you know, like, like Jay, but he walks in and I'm the least important person there. Like everybody else is like, you know, they, they, they control the universe um, in their own, you know, in their own, you know, in in their own reality. And little old me, I'm sitting there and Jay turns to me before he says what's up to anyone. He's like, yo, what's up? I'm Sean. And I'm like, get the, get out of here. <laughs> You're like, I know who you are. <laughs> and, and I was, and yeah, I mean, the, the guy needs no introduction. And I mean, he was another one of the people that I idolized growing up. I mean, this guy, like he was part of the soundtrack of my life. Mm. And so that was just a really cool moment. And he's, he's such a, he's such a a humble guy. I mean, you know, you meet these people and, you know, you, you think you, you wonder what they're going to be like. And, um, and I remember um, he came in, I mean, and and there's certain things obviously that I signed a non-disclosure, so I can't, you know, I can't speak on, but, but he came in and the song that we were working on at the time um, he really is a genius. Like he, his verse was done by the time he ended up listening to it. Like the first time mm-hmm. it was, it was crazy. Um, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, like he, the first time he heard the track, it was like, you, you could kind of see, like he went into his thoughts and it was done. <laughs> like he didn't write anything down. He didn't really need much time. He's like, okay, I got it. <laughs> and that was it. And um, he really is a genius. Yeah, I think I've seen that clip of Dirt of Your Shoulders where Timberland plays in that beat and you can just see the cogs turning. It starts to come out instantly. So I can only imagine how amazing that would be to be there to see something like that. Yeah, it was it was really cool. What about, um, well, that sounds like some real highlights, to be honest. What are some of your other, um, you know, favourite memories from times in the studios with any artist? It could just be one that you're a particular fan of or that you just really loved working with them, you loved what you did with them. Well, um. I really love Jill Scott. I really love her. Like she, she, she to me has a special place in my heart. We got the same birthday. Uh, you know, she's 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 really like family, and um, and I, I love working with her. It's always it's always good energy. And um, and I remember she <coughs> she had asked me to come up to Orlando. Uh, she was working with John Singleton um, on some on some on a new series and. Uh, and that was just really cool because, you know, it was, it was usually like, you know, you go in with an artist and it's the artist working with you, you know, this time it was working with the artist who's working with, you know, someone else that's, mm-hmm. that's, you know, taking it to another place. And um, it was just really cool. It was a, a lot of recording, you know, very differently than, uh, than I normally do. Cause um, you know, I'm, I usually work with, you know, non-band artists, you know, where, 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 where the production is already done. Um, not to say that I don't ever track bands, but this was, this was one of those rare occasions where I got the opportunity to. And, <clears throat> and so, um, 
it was just really cool. And, and the, the, the gear in there was amazing. And, and, uh, the vibe was fantastic. And, um, it was just, it, it was, it was really cool. And, and, and I'm really glad to have been able to, to meet John before he died. Um, he, he, he really, I mean, that guy's a genius and, uh, and it was just, it was just cool to see, you know, the whole process, especially when she was making, you know, music specifically for, uh, film. And so, and I've worked with Jill in different capacities. Um, I mean, in different, in different locations, um, over the years and had some really great sessions with her and DJ premier in New York. Uh, premier is awesome. And, um, so I, I, I love working with Jill. Uh, I had a great time working with Ricky Martin. Um, we did a song together called Mr. Put It Down um, with Pitbull. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a really fun session. Um, and Ricky and I are still friends to this day. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've been really lucky. Like, I, I don't think I've ever really gone in with any, you know, artists that, you know, successful artists that, that acted like, you know, like a jerk. Um, mm. I loved working with Fifth Harmony. Those girls are awesome. I mean, they, 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 they were such, it was, it was just such a, a, a cool experience because they were all so, they were all so different, but unified mm. at the same time. So it, was, it was really cool. Yeah. So, so all of them were, were great. Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't work with her directly, but Leona Lewis, um, that was, that was really cool just because that was like, I mean, that was the first time, um, you know, like a real having a placement on a real singer singer. Um, I know uh, Harvey Mason Jr. was the one who ended up cutting the vocals on that. But um, for me, I think the coolest part about about all of this um, was was that like a lot of these records, in fact, the vast majority of these records came out of my bedroom um, and. And so to hear, um, to hear the, to hear these songs, you know, actually released from things that I did. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had, <laughs> I had a ton of gear and, and, it, but, but it was still physically in a bedroom mm. and, and, uh, you know, to, to hear this stuff come out and, and know that you did that in your bedroom. Um, it was, it, it was, it was extremely validating and um you know i do this because i love it and so so to be able to 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 see that come to fruition um there was a moment actually at one of ricky's shows and he opens every show with uh with mr put it down and he was performing at at the hard rock here one night and so he invited me to the show and and i had really great seats and um, I remember when, when during the opening act, or the opening song, I remember the coolest moment. It was really cool seeing him perform it. But the coolest moment was turning around and seeing like 10,000 other people singing words that I wrote, you know, in my bedroom. Yeah. And and that was one of the coolest moments. It was it, it kind of makes you realize like how many people you connect with that you never even meet. Uh, when when you do this, and and I just thought that that was such a, a a powerful thing. It was a it was a such an inspiring moment to begin with. Um, so, but yeah, that's my experience 
I can only imagine. Um, and I'm glad to hear that he's a nice guy as well, because I had that album. I'm sure it was out in 1999. Me and my sister were just obsessed with it. We drove our parents crazy. We played it all the time. Shake your bonbon, all the classics. Um, so I'm glad to hear that he's still out there and he's still a nice guy. Oh, he's he's not only is he a nice guy, he is like insanely friendly uh, in all the best ways. And um, I just ran into him. Actually, I was in Madrid of all places with a friend of mine uh, in in December of last year. And um, we were staying we were staying at the the Mandarin Oriental Ritz. And so uh, we were taking a meeting downstairs and I, I don't know anyone in Spain. But it was like my first time ever being there. And uh, while we were having this meeting, uh, someone taps me on the shoulder and I hear, yo, bro. And I turn around and it's Ricky. And and it was like crazy. He he actually walked away from a big group of people to come say hello. <laughs> and I just thought that was so cool. He's he's just uh, he's he's another one of the real ones, you know, and, and uh, it was, I mean, it was really great to see him. And, uh, you know, these are like that's the kind of person he is like when he when when when, you know, when he considers you a friend, like he really treats you like that. Mm. I'm stunned by this. He's 50. Can that be right? What fountain yeah, like, of youth is he drinking out of? I want some. I, I have no idea. I, I he like he's the, the guy looks better than me. I'm I'm 36. <laughs> so am I. Oh god. Yeah, I yeah. want some of what Ricky Martin's drinking or taking or whatever he's doing. It's the good stuff, isn't it? I'm convinced he's drinking Pharrell's blood. Oh God, yeah. Between them, they're they're up to something. I don't, there's just Either something one of them I saw those videos of Pharrell on stage at the week with Justin Timberlake, and I was like, "What the hell? He hasn't aged since 2000 or something." I'm sure he looks exactly the same to me. Um, it's unreal. I think it's called money, but um, yeah, yeah, I'll have to work on something else. I think, but um, yeah, good for them though. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of, um, obviously, you've done all of this incredible stuff out of your bedroom essentially but obviously you have your studio um for the last two and a half years so our listeners and our readers um always love to hear about the stuff that producers and mixers are using so i know that you're a genlec user so i'd love to know what you've got in your home studio from them so i actually have had every iteration of these speakers um right now i'm using the uh the 8350s uh and i have the 7380 sub with them um I, so before this, I had every iteration of the 40s. So I had like when the uh, when the 8040s first came out, I got those. And then every time there was a new pair that came out along the way, I got those. And then um, obviously when I when I did this room, um, I needed you know bigger speakers. So um, so when I bought these, uh, actually uh, Dave McLaughlin from from Genelec came to uh, to my spot to help me tune them and and he said to me he said you really should get the sub and i said i don't know if i want to mix with the sub because i don't know if it's going to translate and he basically long and short of it was he said to me he said buy the sub he said if you don't like it i'll buy it from you for whatever you paid for it so you have no risk and so i said i can't argue with that so i bought it and uh originally i got the 7370 which was great. I mean, I, I, it blew me away how amazing these speakers sound uh, and the sub. I mean, it's, it's, it's really accurate. You don't even hear the sub. And that's what I was afraid of was hearing the separation from the sub and the speakers um, and it telling you something that's not, you know, really there. So um, 
it ended up being so amazing. I said, uh, actually, I just want to upgrade. <laughs> and I bought the 7380 cool. and it was, it was such a great decision. I, 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 it's like, I don't ever want to live without it again. And, um, these speakers are just, they're, they're my go-to, um, I have these and then I have a pair of Pro-X, the, uh, the SM100s. Um, and uh, I have a pair of Cubes as well. But um, I, w- I do the vast majority of, of everything uh, on, the, uh, on the Genelex. And given that you use um, some other brands sometimes, and obviously you must have used others before, what is it that you notice about them? What is the quality that they bring to your work and gives you that confidence in them? Um. I just think they're the most detailed speakers I've ever used. Um, there are other speakers that give you different things, but to me, these speakers, they give you detail that you can't really hear in most speakers. Um, and you don't hear the cabinet. And I, and I love that about them. That, that, that minimum diffraction enclosure makes a big difference, um, you know, because you know what you're hearing is literally the audio and not the cabinet. And so, um, I just feel like the, the audio itself is just so much more pure from these speakers. Um, and it translates really well. And I love their SAM technology. I, I love the fact that I'm able not only just to tune my speakers, but to tune each speaker separately, um, to its own position in the room, uh, with its own curve. So, um, you know, on, on one side of this room, like this side is an outer wall, um, and then this side is an inner wall uh, and the front wall is, a, is an outer wall. So there's different materials on each side. So, so even with a fully built out room, um, you have slightly different frequency responses just because of the materials. And so being able to tune these differently, each speaker to their position, uh, I find that my, my stereo image is better. I find that my, um, that my curve is, is, is more accurate. Um, from ear to ear, uh, and 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 I and I feel like the the phase of these speakers really lines up a lot better uh, in the sweet spot than another set of speakers might uh, because of the different frequency responses. Okay, well, it's great to hear you've got something that's clearly working very well for you. And um, you know, given that you're doing everything from home, it must just be a weight off your mind knowing that that's covered. You've got nothing to worry about there. Um, and I can only imagine how weird is it to hear you know, a song that you've worked on out there in the world, maybe on the radio or something. Does that ever get old? Never gets old. In fact, in fact, when you, when you, when you, when you have that, you start to become accustomed to it and, and it makes you want more of it. Um, it really is, uh, it's a, it's a great feeling. Um, and, and sometimes you like the best, the best moments are when it surprises you. Um, in fact, the other day I was watching, uh, I was watching the new episode of Miss Marvel and there was a song that came on in one of the scenes called Attitude. And it was by uh, a client of mine who I haven't seen in a while uh, called pay, named Pay Attention. And I was like, wait a minute. I know that song. I'm like, I mixed that. <laughs> and so it was cool. And like, you know, it, it just, it, it never gets old and I never expected to hear that song. Um, you know, you, you forget about things that you that you worked on when you work on so many things over the years and I didn't expect to uh I didn't expect to hear that of all songs and it was just such a cool thing and um made me want to call him but then I was like 
and not right now, another time. But but it was it was just really cool. And um, so no, it never gets old. And uh, and it's always a great feeling. And and uh, it's always nice to feel relevant. Mm, I can add that. that. Yeah, that doesn't stay forever. Yes. Well, I hope maybe I can hear something from who knows Missy Elliott or Wanaka soon on the radio. Don't say anything. Don't want to get you in trouble. But um, I'll think <laughs> of you whenever that time does happen, Keith. <laughs> All right. Or maybe I'll drop you an email and say, "Was this you? Can you tell me now? Is it is it okay? Is it loud?" Um, well, I think that is. A perfect note to end on, Keith. I just want to thank you so much for taking the time. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you and hear all of these thank fascinating you. stories about literally the soundtrack to my life, all these artists that you've mentioned. I love them all. Um, we're the same age that we've discovered on this. So I think we've just grown up listening to probably exactly the same thing, maybe a little bit less Spice Girls for you around the age of 10, probably. But then, you know. I what... like the Spice Girls. Oh, well, go. Why not? I mean, they did their thing. I... They were good. Yeah, I, I don't discriminate. Good music is good music. They did write some hits. What can I say? I heard they wrote Wannabe in five minutes or 30 minutes or something crazy, and they probably didn't need to do anything too. else their whole life. Yeah, I heard that too. And I think, I don't know where I hear these random facts. They get stuck in my head. On some kind of algorithm, or maybe they tested it, I don't know, with how many people. Apparently that intro was the most quickly recognized song ever. Like everyone can identify that in the first two bars or seconds or something. So I thought that was pretty cool as well. That 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 definitely makes sense. Mm, yeah, that that's kind of like how uh, "Hit Me Baby One More Time" is. It's like the second you hear that, da, 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 you you already know. Oh yeah, I love that song. I love the stories yeah. behind that one. I interviewed um, oh what's his name? The guy his name's gone out of my head. The guy that co-wrote that who just had all these stories with me about how how he got to overpronounce everything and why it was like Wasn't that. that- wasn't that Max Martin? Oh, it was Max that? Martin and... Rami? Oh, what's the other guy? Rami? Yes, that was him. Yeah. What a great guy he is. I loved hearing his stories. And obviously he's worked with um, Justin Timberlake um, as well with NSYNC. But um, yeah, I, I yeah. could talk about this stuff for hours, honestly, Keith. But you've got a job to do probably with um, a top secret artist or two. So I'm going to let you go. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure, honestly. And I, I hope to catch up with you again sometime. Thank you for having me. If you ever need anything, please feel free to hit me anytime. Oh, thank you so much. Um, All right. Well, have a great day. And um, I will talk to you soon, hopefully, Keith. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.